At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. This is Sports Rage. Yeah, we're not playing around. Level two's begun. Quickest hundred minutes in sports talk radio. We got a jam-packed show here. Uh, I want to bring our boy Matias in on this in a moment. There's so much going on today, and I saw a story tonight. Hercules Gomez tweeted out on Twitter that um, Lionel Messi to enter Miami is all but a, a done deal. And you know, listen, he's a known Twitter guy, soccer. He's got a quarter of a million followers and stuff. Other people picked it up, but I'll tell you what, I sort of dismissed it as in, dude, they were just talking about Barcelona and stuff, but there are breaking reports in the last hour right now, and this is coming right now from the Daily Mail. Everything is on the table as MLS pushes the seal deal for Messi. Um, Messi reportedly is seriously considering this, and... It's down to a return to Barcelona and enter Miami that Messi does not want to move to Saudi Arabia. He's already an ambassador for them, but that playing in Saudi Arabia is not on the table right now. That this inter Miami deal is actually a serious thing that could potentially happen, Matthias. You and I discussed this. We always thought and we always said, we always knew that when he came to MLS and we thought that he would, would and it would be. With Inter Miami, yet I got to tell you, I did not think it would be now. I did not think it would be now after leaving Paris Saint Germain. And Paris Saint Germain lost 2 million followers on Instagram over the last couple of days, Matthias. He's not on the team anymore, just to show his impact. It's crazy the the impact that the impact that soccer gods have on teams that think are big clubs. You know that that just was a major reality check for PSG right there, Gabe. You know, they lost uh, the, two million fans. Was, <laughs> oh, not only that, how about Neymar uh, walking off of the field with Messi? Neymar is about to go celebrate the championship with the front, you know, with the PSG fans. Messi says, "Screw that!" Goes to the locker room. Neymar says, "Oh man, my boy's walking off the field. You know what? I'm going to follow him out. I'm going to follow." I'm going to follow him off the field, too. Well, remember, they guys. stood outside his house and called him a jackass and told him to move back to Brazil. Those yeah, Paris Saint-Germain fans have a lot of nerve, bro. <laughs> like, they really do. Gabe, I, you know, my heart tells me that Messi's going to Barcelona. I think that this is a move uh, where he's just trying to pull more leverage to Barcelona. My reports say that Barcelona did not really pull the trigger today. And that kind of stunned everybody. And next thing you know, we're getting reports that he's going to Miami. And it was coming from all over the place, man. I saw some kid with a small podcast kind of say, messy to Miami. And I'm just like, who the hell is this guy? And next thing I know, Taylor Twelman is is tweeting about it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was definitely real. How about this? Because Twelman would have tweeted about it if it wasn't. Because, of course, the World Cup is coming to America. They want to make a splash before the MLS and really, you know. But... Reports are that Apple and Adidas are sweetening the pot and encouraging the move. Apple just signed the Apple TV deal because there's a salary cap, right? And he, he's not playing for $9 million a year or even 10 or 12 or 14 type thing. Reports are it's 27 plus a stake in the team. Uh, 
I know they got, there's a lot of red tape here to cut through, but obviously they're going to do this because it'd be awesome. Listen, a lot of times MLS gets these stars past their prime. He just won the World Cup. This is pretty big, like, to get him now, if they're able to pull this off. Inter-Miami already have a scheduled date, actually, for his debut. All right, all hell is breaking loose. Say what? So Kareem Benzema goes to Saudi Arabia. The PGA goes to the Live Tour. And now we're getting reports, of course. We all knew about Lionel Messi and his um, his ambassadorship and the amount of money. They were offering him like $253 million, $100 million a year type of deal to play. Um, in their league, but now there's overnight reports, and this has been going on for a couple hours right now. At first, I got to be honest, I really didn't think it was a full serious deal here. I thought it was just Twitter talk, but it's turning into something real right now. And it's real, real, as various media reports from Bleacher Report, Forbes, DailyMail.com, and everybody else in between is reporting that Messi is down to a serious consideration right now of joining Inter-Miami. There was talk of Barcelona, a deal doesn't look like it could be made, at least to anyone's liking, as quickly as they want to do this. Inter-Miami is making a massive push right now. MLS reportedly has brought in Apple and Adidas to sweeten the pot and sort of circumvent some of the salary cap restrictions, as in Adidas can say, listen, you you know, yeah, you can't make $78 million a year playing for Inter-Miami, but you can make $27 million, and we'll just give you an extra $60 million in the Adidas deal. <laughs> he can do that, right? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of ways around this, and reports are that this is deadly serious uh, right now. Uh, the Athletic is now reporting this as well. Uh, the Athletic is reporting... Uh, that a decision could be coming within hours, as in the morning, the day. Uh, they are also reporting the MLS is already uh, has Messi's debut lined up should he sign uh, with the league, targeting Inter-Miami's cup match against Mexican side Cruz Azul on July 21st in Florida. Saudi Arabia is not under consideration. The quote is, MLS is throwing everything on the table to land him. The Late Night Anger Management Class, this is Portridge. I am Marenzi. We'll get back to this and more. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. The Twisted Tuesday continues. This is Sports I am Gable Baratzi. Sirius XM Channel 159 of the Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates wherever you may be this evening. Steve Merrill, wagertalk.com steps up and in. Steve, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to be with us tonight. How you doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. So, Steve, there's a lot of stuff to get to. It was quite an uh, interesting 
day and night as far as Major League Baseball is concerned. And in the, listen, in the sports world, it was one bombshell after another. But NBA Finals, we've had a couple of days off. Countdown to tip off is now officially on once again. Game three, you and I have often talked about the playoff, bounce back, the playoff zigzag, and it came into effect both with the side and total, both in game one and game two. What's your take going into game three? Well, I got to give props, first of all, to Ralph Michaels. He had an incredible stat. We're going to talk about this tomorrow, Wednesday, when I host the uh, game three NBA tip-off show. By the way, I am guest hosting tomorrow because Joe Ranieri is going to the game tomorrow night with Kelly Stewart in Miami. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. Joe's a high roller. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Well, and it's funny because he asked me to guest host, and I said, yeah. And I was about to ask, are you going to the game? He said he is, and then he said he's going with Kelly. I was like, ah, that explains how you got tickets. I'm sure she pulled (laughs) some connections. But, I, no, I mean, he's got the Panthers Thursday. I don't know if he's going to that game as well. Um, But Ralph sent this over to talk about on the show tomorrow, but I want to mention it to you. It's really an incredible stat. Since 2006, when the point spread is six or less in the NBA Finals, 74-0 straight-up winner, obviously. The straight-up winner 74 times has never failed to cover the spread. It's 72-0-2 against the spread when it's six or less. So so what I'm getting at is basically you want to play the Nuggets minus two, two and a half, or you play the Heat plus money on the money line because spread should not come into play. It's interesting because you would figure that that number would be more into – it would be more six points or more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, okay, they were a bigger favorite and they were a much better team in the finals. That's interesting. Six points or less. A lot of people always remember what they saw last, Steve. And after game one, I was part of that crew, but I was pretty pro Denver coming into the series. After game one, I was like, wow, Miami looked like they're in a little bit of trouble. This is going to go five, six games. Then after watching Miami play and Miami win, Game two, a lot of people feel as though somehow Denver are now in a lot of trouble. How do you feel about this? Denver did not really play poorly, uh, Steve, in game two. I don't know how you can get complacent or a little bit soft in a finals game, but it seemed that they did. They never lost on their home court in the playoffs. They're up by double digits. I think they just sort of thought, you know what, we're about to go up 2 nothing, and they just sort of exhaled instead of like keeping the pedal to the metal and they paid the price for it. But even though they weren't a great team in a regular season on the road, they've been good in the playoffs on the road. What's your take uh, from the Denver perspective? Because it does feel like a Denver spot to me here. And Miami haven't been great at home, Steve, as we just saw in the Boston series. Yeah. I mean, my, my first thought was, uh, you know, well, Denver had a losing record on the road or does have a losing record on the road this year. They're so strong at home, but like you said, Gabe, they've gone three and zero straight up in ATS their last three playoff games. So, I, I do think it's a little misleading. Plus, the rest and travel factors are all negated now for all the teams. Everyone's on the same schedule. I, I agree with you. I think it was just one of those classic. One of the reasons the zigzag works, as we've talked about, is it's not necessarily the other team makes adjustments and bounces back, which they do. And Miami made some adjustments, but it's that the other team sometimes, you know, kind of overlooks them. It's human nature. And let's not forget, Denver got off to a really slow start. They're down by double digits early, and then lo and behold, second quarter they're up by 15 all of a sudden. It's eight at the half, or it's it, the in-game line was eight and a half at the half. Going into the fourth quarter, it's eight. They're up by eight, and the in-game line is eight and a half. It was just the fourth quarter, basically. And Denver did that in game one. They're up by 21. They allowed Miami to score 11 straight points to start the fourth. And the Heat had one of the most efficient quarters in the history of the NBA playoffs in the fourth quarter of the other night. And this is coming from an offense that was the least efficient offense during the regular season. So the question is, have they honestly gotten that much better the last couple of months, or is this just one of the flukiest runs we've seen in recent history? But at the same point in time, Steve, to me, I would be surprised if either team won both games in Florida right now, right? It almost feels like, okay, we're going to be tied. Uh, we're going to be tied um, at two after four games. And as far as the the correct score after four is concerned, 2-2 two, two is minus 115. The Miami Heat to be up three games to one is plus 325. The Denver Nuggets to be up plus 220. Um, uh, to be up 3-1, 2-2, minus 115. Odds makers clearly feel as though we've got a 2-2 score after four games. Well, it's just mathematics because Denver as a two-and-a-half point favorite has about a 56.5% chance of winning straight up Wednesday night. So let's just say the odds are similar for game four. You know, 56 times 56% is like 32%. So the odds are that, you know, Denver won't win both games, even though they're going to be favored in both probably. Yeah, and I get it, like a two-team parlay at minus two and a half, right, um, et cetera, at that, that plus 220. But 
just the sequence of scenario is tough. Look, we saw Denver have a hard time winning both games on their home court, despite how dominant they have been. I still think Denver are going to win this series. I don't think the sky is falling on them, Steve, but we have to give credit to Miami, and you have to take this Miami Heat team seriously. I mean, people have underestimated them for the last two months, and here they are right now tied at one in the NBA Finals. Yeah, and I said going into the weekend, I go, it's going to be a 2-1 series, Denver. And I said, you know, would not. I said Miami's going to either win game two or three. It wouldn't shock me because I, it kind of played out like I thought, you know, where Denver was the better team for majority of that game, but then somehow Miami found a way to do it. Um, but had they been down 0-2, we know how strong teams are in game three down 0-2, which would have been Miami. So I kind of feel like it's going to be Denver 2-1. Um, I don't think winning in five is as likely now because Denver's got to win three straight, and the odds of that is only about 24% now for them to win the next three games in a row. But they still have a substantial front court size edge. And Miami, once again, outshot Denver from three, had less turnovers, but Denver's been better from two-point range in the free-throw line in both games so far. And that's usually a little more consistent. You know, it's like the NCAA tournament. If you hit their threes, Miami's going to keep winning. But I think at some point that's going to stop. You know, Steve, it's interesting when you look at the numbers. I think that Denver's got to get the volume up a little bit as far as the three-point shooting is concerned. They're not hitting as many, and they're not taking nearly as many as Miami. And as you stated, yeah, okay, you're hitting two-point shots. Jokic goes off, but the math doesn't add up. Miami have decided to live and die with the three during this playoff. Steve, we've seen it. We saw it against the... Uh, the Boston Celtics, we saw the Celtics live and die with the three against the Miami Heat. I think Denver just have to get their volume up a little bit more. Yeah, they actually shot pretty well, 239% from three, and they lose. They shoot 29.5% in game one, and they win by 11. So it just shows, once again, that Denver, you know, they're going to rely more on the two-point shots and the free throws. And I do think if they can hit some threes, then they're going to be very difficult to beat because Miami's winning the three-point battle, and they still barely won the second game. They lost the first game. Remember, though, Steve, we went into Miami in the game six against Boston, and everybody said, well, if Miami doesn't win this now tonight, they're not going to win the series. And then we see Boston loses on their home court. So home court hasn't been the be-all, end-all for everybody in these spots, Steve, throughout this year. And in the past, we've seen, we've sort of seen the demise of home court, but just in recent memory and these playoffs, Steve, we've seen teams lose big games on their home court that people sort of assume they're going to win. Yeah, once again, the travel, you know, is negated. The uh, the fatigue factor, the disadvantage, the days of rest and everything is equal because everyone's traveling back and forth on the same schedule. And, of course, the NBA really stretches out the finals here. We have two days off between Denver and Miami. Um, and then they will travel for game five back to Denver next Monday so they don't play Saturday or Sunday after the Friday game. Uh, I think that's another reason why home court's not quite as valuable as it used to be. And I'd like to dig in a little bit too, Steve. And let's see, Jokic wasn't the biggest load management type of guy, but... I think it can be a little bit deceptive when you look at teams' regular season road record. A lot of times, that's the team. Those are the times that the teams will rest guys, right? The old load management. You know, teams are playing four games in six days or three games in four nights, et cetera. They don't care. It's not a true representation. And I think it's a good point, Steve. It's the finals now, man, all right? No, you know, everybody's playing on adrenaline, not to mention you get three days off and when you travel, Right. You play back to back, you know, every 48 hours when you're in the same city, but you're getting the, you know, the extra day and the extra layoff uh, for the travel day. Uh, Steve Merrill kicking us. So, Steve, uh, we got about 30 seconds uh, here, but what about the total? Game one stayed under the number. Everybody went back to the over in game two. What do you think about the game three total? So it opened around 216, quickly dropped about 214 and a half the first couple of days this week. So I think you could say there's a little bit of sharp money on the under. And once again, the team shot 49 and 52% and only hit 219 in game two, which means there's probably the pace of play has been pretty slow. Steve Merrill kicking it with us. We'll talk some Major League Baseball on the other side. The late night anger management class. This is Fortridge. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, 
Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. The late night anger management class. This is Fortridge. I am Gable Morenzi, Sirius XM Channel 159, Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates, wherever you may be. Kicking it this evening. Sports byline in the house in the Bay Area. Let's do this thing, Steve Merrill. Kicking it uh, with us as well. Let's talk some Major League uh, Baseball uh, with uh, Steve. And it was an interesting uh, night uh, tonight on the Diamond. The Los Angeles Dodgers got a grand slam from Freddie Freeman. End up losing the game to a Cincinnati Red baseball team that's sort of lingering around in a very mediocre National League uh, Central. Giolito no-hits the Yankees. They take him out of the game, so he doesn't get a chance to pitch uh, the no-hitter. The Toronto Blue Jays bounce back uh, tonight, uh, Steve, and the Blue Jays have been pretty, been very dramatic season for them. They'll have a weird blowout loss. They'll have a big-time blowout win. <laughs> like Every day there's some sort of, New storyline with this team, but Kevin Gossman was unbelievable. His strikeout prop was only six and a half. He cruised over that number uh, tonight. What did you think about the day and night uh, Major League Baseball? Well, I mean, that American League East is really the story still. You got all five teams with positive run differentials on the season. Um, You know, Tampa got off to that incredible start on the year, um, but they're still not safe. They're just five games up on the Orioles, seven games up, seven and a half up on the Yankees. And I think the Blue Jays, you know, nine and a half back is still a dangerous team that could win the division. The problem for Toronto is they have to pass three other playoff caliber teams to get there. That's going to be what's difficult. But, you know, I'm glad we have the extra wild card spot because that AL East right now deserves to have four teams in the playoffs. And it's interesting because the Toronto, there's so much negativity around that Blue Jay team right now, Steve, because they've struggled against division opponents. They're, you know, suddenly, you know, there's a nine and a half game gap between them and the Tampa Bay Rays. But as you just alluded to, as far as the run differential, if you're 34 and 28 in the toughest division in baseball and arguably one of the toughest, it's going to end up being one of the toughest and most best divisions in the history of baseball at this pace. And you got a run differential of plus 28. You've done a lot of good things. And as we've seen, Alec Manoa, one of their expected aces, gave them absolutely nothing. They demoted them to uh, to the Florida Rookie League um, earlier in the day uh, today, Steve. But I do think the Blue Jays are a dangerous team. Uh, they are 7-3 and three in their last 10. I keep waiting for them to just go on that little bit of a prolonged winning streak. They are a damn good home team as well. And they've also played the second most games against the division. Only Tampa's played more. And Toronto's only 6-15 and 15 against the AL East, which means at 34-28, and 28, they're 20 a 28 and 13 against all other divisions, which once again puts it in perspective how tough that division's been. That's an interesting angle, too, when the Blue Jays are playing against non division opponents as they are right now against the Houston Astros. So the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Reds put up six runs in the first inning. And it's something I talk about a lot, Steve, but with the Cincinnati Reds, they, they seem to score early, often. They give up runs early often for the will there be a run in the first inning. And I used to look, you know, I used to play a lot of the no run in the first inning and yes and no. And, you know, I used to think of it more as just sort of a degenerate type of, you know, you know, let's see what happens in the first inning type of bet. But there is a method to the madness. And some teams, quite frankly, do put up a lot of runs in the first inning. And there's not a not a coincidence here, Steve. Number one in baseball, first inning runs. The Atlanta Braves, 0.88 uh, runs. Los Angeles Dodgers, 0.82. Houston Astros, who, for the record, hit a leadoff home run tonight. The Dodgers put up a three spot uh, in the first inning tonight, uh, 0.72. The Tampa Bay Rays, 0.71. Then the Angels, then the Texas Rangers. But interesting, Steve, to me, that 
these teams with the four the, the the teams that are putting up the four most runs in Major League Baseball are all as good as they are in Atlanta, Los Angeles, Houston, and Tampa. Well, I mean, obviously, if you're scoring more runs per game, you're going to have more of a chance to score in any given inning. Um, so I think that makes sense, especially in offense like Tampa. It's averaging almost six runs on the season. And obviously, it depends also on who the opposing pitcher is. If it's a below-average starting pitcher, you know, they're more likely to give up an extra run or two. Uh, but I agree. I always kind of looked at that as a little bit of random variance. But I think when you dig deeper, good offensive teams against bad starters are much more likely to score in the first and on an average game. Yeah, you know what, though? I think also... There's value, though, because look at Gossman tonight. A lot of times, Steve, aces give up. If they're going to the, the most the most vulnerable they are, it seems like it's in the first inning, to be honest. Right. You know, Gossman tonight was like freaking money, man. Boom. Gave up a home run to the first batter. <laughs> like, And then after that, that was that. Garrett Cole is big on that where Garrett Cole will have a dominant game, but you can get to him with, a, you know, an early home run. So I, you know, I'm not scared. I won't be scared at times of betting a run in the first inning, even if there is a bigger name pitcher on the hill. What I like to look for at that angle is, especially now that we have everybody playing everybody, we're getting these weird matchups like the Marlins hosted the A's. Now they're hosting the Royals, you know, teams I'm pretty sure probably never traveled to Miami before. Now, granted, some of those players have faced the other pitchers before, but I think when you can find a matchup, especially these weird interleague matchups now, um, if you can look and see that the pitcher has very little experience against any of the hitters, I think that's a big edge for the pitcher because they've never seen him before. And then if you can add in some kind of like quirky delivery or, you know, different type of pitches being thrown, that might be an edge we can find with the no for the first runs of uh, the first inning runs. Uh, something to keep an eye on this season for the first time. I agree. And I've always been a fan of betting on the the kid pitchers that are making their debuts. The maiden starters. Yeah, 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 and people, I think a lot of, you know, some people think, oh, this guy's getting the call up from double A, he's going to get lit up tonight. It's like, no, he might get lit up in his fourth start or his third start once there's some game tape on him. But even though, you know, their advanced scouting is better than it's ever been, baseball players still need to see pitches a couple of times to figure it out. And as we always see a couple of times through the order, they get these pitchers in and out uh, pretty quickly. So, Steve, looking at the overnight um, numbers right now, Listen, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they're battling, you know what I mean? They're, they've surprised everybody, but it doesn't mean you can lay a big price uh, with them, as we've seen. They're favorites, again, against the Oakland Athletics. Uh, we've got the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, taking on Cincinnati once again. Syndergaard has had horrible luck. Um, Syndergaard's minus 160, uh, 165 against the Reds. Scherzer is in Atlanta against Morton uh, tomorrow. We've got the full slate of afternoon uh, baseball as well, Steve. Uh, what are your thoughts on tomorrow's card? Well, I mean, you got Pittsburgh, a team that everyone was looking to come back down to earth. And we talked about them when they had the second best record in baseball about a month ago, and they lost like nine straight right after that. I find it interesting that they're taking on the Oakland A's and Oakland finally busts out on Tuesday night with 11 runs. You know, we'll see if that's the buy sign or not. Um, I actually had Ralph Michaels run these numbers about a week ago over at wagertalk.com. Sub 400 teams in the second and third part of the season after 54 games, which is where we are now. Um, after a win, they are not a play on situation. In fact, they're actually more of a money burner after a win than any time during the season. So don't just jump on Oakland because they won a game with some offensive momentum. We're going to have to see a little bit more out of them. Uh, by the way, the Dodgers, you know, blew the big lead and once again, either play the Dodgers minus one and a half run line at a much shorter price or play the other team outright at plus money. And it worked again tonight as Cincinnati pulled that comeback. And uh, Steve, you know, how about this Marlins team? You and I have talked about their bad luck over the last couple of seasons, but everything is falling into place for them uh, right now. It was a little bit pricey uh, tonight, but they win They win another game. It's a shorter number uh, tomorrow, um, or at least it was, and it's it's been it's starting to be bet up already right now. Are they too trendy right now? Because we talk about the uh, the speeding bullet. The Marlins are a hot baseball team right now. Well, they're hot because their last five games have been against the A's and the Royals, probably the two worst teams in they're baseball. They're taking advantage of it. Yeah, so we have to be careful. But with that said, they're playing the Royals again, right? So it is the same situation. Um, I actually thought last night on Monday might be the game they were flat because they came from behind against Oakland on Sunday and they swept them and they had another bottom feeder coming in. Um, but one thing I liked against the Miami-Oakland series was play Miami because they were coming off the loss to San Diego 10-1 to on Thursday. And I thought they would definitely come in focused and they won those first two games 16-1 to on Friday and Saturday against Oakland. So I think it's something big picture 
to keep an eye on going forward that when we have these, once again, these weird, unique interleague matchups for the first time, um, teams are not going to overlook Oakland. They're not going to overlook Kansas City. And it's another reason why the A's are going to probably go down with one of the worst records in recent history. The, bet, the fact that they're not that good, plus the fact that they're a dead lame duck team moving to Las Vegas and these interleague matchups like against the National they're just not going to overlook these teams. Uh, so it's pretty much Miami or pass. I agree with that take, actually, Steve. And I've said that as well, that, you know, in the NBA, if a team is terrible, 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 other NBA teams will say, don't worry about it. Remember, we've even seen it before. Carl Anthony Towns and Ben Simmons joking playing video game once. They were up right. like at three in the morning. He goes, ah, oh, no, no, man, we're playing the Pistons tomorrow. It doesn't matter. And they're playing, they start laughing like they're playing. But you'll see that. But I, you're, I think you're, 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 you're on, Steve. All these teams need wins. So when they're playing the Oakland Athletics, they're like, we can't take the, this team for granted. We need to, to win against these guys. And the Marlins have done a good job uh, with that. Listen, in baseball, if you beat the teams you're supposed to beat um, and you go 500 against good teams, you're going to have a pretty good record when it's all said and done, Steve. Yeah, and they're 12 and 14 against winning teams this year. They're 22 and 14 against exactly. losing teams. And, um, you know, Miami's a team that I thought would be a play on team coming into this season. And teams that are kind of by the bubble of being a winning team do not overlook bad teams normally. Steve Merrill, wagertalk.com. Uh, Great uh, stuff as always, uh, Steve. As, um, we'll catch up with you later in the week. We'll hit some motorsport and, um, and more. CFL kickoff is on Thursday night. Our boy McKinnis threw it down with us uh, earlier this evening as, as we add the CFL to the USFL uh, rotation. Uh, but uh, summer summertime is approaching, Steve. NBA finals, Stanley Cup finals coming to an end. Yeah, look, baseball, daily sport for the next, like I said, we're only a third of the way through the season. 54 games was last week. Um, a lot of money to be made with baseball the next four months. Steve, always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. Thanks, Gabe. There's Steve Merrill, wagertalk.com, prosportsinfo.com, the Twisted Tuesday, the late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Moretzi, Sirius XM Channel 159 of the Sports Grid Radio Networks. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Sports Rage Late Night continues. I am Gabriel Moranzi, Sirius XM Channel 159 on the Sports Grid Radio Networks. Wow, what a day. I went to bed last night uh, thinking, who am I going to pick to win the Canadian Open? We've got a pretty good field. Ten of the top 30 players in the world are playing outside of Toronto, Ontario, in Oakville, Ontario. But, of course, we woke up to the bombshell merger as the, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and the Public Investment uh, Fund, uh, i.e. Live Golf, uh, have announced a partnership. Uh, the Golf Channel has been the place to be all day long. i got to tell you, they did a great job with all the different perspectives all day long, and we're lucky to have Mark Rolfing uh, joining us uh, right now from the Golf Channel. Mark, welcome to Sports Rage. Thank you for taking the time to be with us tonight. Wow, what a day. 
What a day, Gabe. Uh, I, I certainly went to bed in, in the same way, not thinking anything like this was going to happen. I, I find as much as anything, the timing of all this really strange. Uh, I do feel bad for the Canadian Open again uh, a year later uh, from when Live Golf started a year ago. Now they get punched in the gut again. Um, I do not believe this announcement had been planned for today. Uh, when I watched it unfold and, and saw the sort of kindergartenish, romper roomish uh, atmosphere that this whole thing came down, uh, it's pretty clear to me that this wasn't intended to be released at this point yet, uh, but that something probably caused uh, Jay Monahan and and the PIF guy and everybody else to say, hey, we got to get this news out here because it's going to get leaked. But I, I don't think they were ready for it. They can't answer any of the questions. I'll tell you what, and it was last year at the Canadian Open that Jay Monahan very, very passionately looked into the camera and I'll be honest, Mark, you know, listen, I'm an adult. I follow, you know, I follow the political world. I follow real life events uh, besides sports. And, you know, I always thought it was a little hypocritical that everybody was so up in arms about about the Saudis' involvement in golf when they're involved in Formula One. They're involved in soccer. They're involved in the stock market. They're involved in everyday American life. But at the same point in time, you know, we see companies, you know, bitter rivals, you know, merge, right? Cell phone companies. Um, and I was thinking about, you know, Molson Coors and T-Mobile Sprint, AT&T, Time Warner, all that stuff. But I've never seen, I mean, the commissioner sits down and says, I will ask anybody that goes to the Live Tour, have you ever had to apologize for playing on a PGA Tour? How do you, how do you walk that back? Uh, you know, to me, you can't, Mark. I don't think you can walk it back, and I don't think he should even try. Uh, the real question, Gabe, is what what caused the uh, directional turn? He and Jay Monahan has turned 180 degrees on this one, uh, and nobody seems to know yet what caused that. Was there something in the lawsuit discovery that the PGA Tour was worried about uh, that was going to come out? Was there you know, a financial look at how long this litigation might last? It lasted another five years. Could the PGA Tour... Uh, absorb that, but so something occurred, uh, and I don't know that we know the answer to that yet. The interesting thing is people are calling this a merger right now. Uh, it looks to me, though, given the financial uh, setup, uh, like effectively the Saudis are going to own professional golf. Maybe not next year, but if they're the ones with all the money behind this uh, money talks, as we just saw in the announcement today, uh, I, I don't they, they don't own the Premier League. They don't own Formula One, but they don't have a stake in either one of those organizations like they now are going to have in the PGA Tour. I thought the same thing, and I don't have a problem with it. There's a difference between owning a team in a league and owning the league. <laughs> There's a big difference uh, in that, and I, I couldn't agree more uh, with that. And, I thought it was striking as well, and as I stated, the Golf Channel's done a great job throughout the day. I've enjoyed all the different perspectives of the inside inside perspectives uh, of this. And you know, so Jay Monahan is supposed to represent the PGA players, but it doesn't appear as though the PGA players knew about this. He, there's a board, right? You would know more about this than I would. There's a board, but the quote I heard basically was, he went rogue on this. Uh, you know, like, is, is that a fair assessment? You know, that he went rogue and did this deal that, that nobody knew, none of the players knew about this? Should they have not Well, known? I don't know. That, that's really hard for me to judge at this point. I, I will tell you this, that for some reason, Rory McIlroy, who had been the spokesperson for the PGA Tour in this battle against Liv, Rory had been that spokesperson for over a year. And all of a sudden, two weeks yep. ago, he announced to the world that he wasn't going to be that anymore and that he was going to focus on his game. And I wonder now whether or not he was starting to get a sense that this might not be going in the direction that he wanted. In the end, what the governing bodies say or do uh, is not going to be the driving force here. It's going to be the players. Uh, and, and when we hear from Tiger Woods, I think will be the watershed moment. I've got to think that Tiger knew this was going to happen. I can't imagine making a monumental decision like this for the PGA Tour could have occurred without Tiger knowing anything about it. Uh, Jay is going to meet with some select media here pretty soon on a Zoom meeting. He'll get asked a lot of questions. Whether he answers them or not, I don't know. But I do know we will find out a lot when we ultimately hear from either McElroy or Tiger Woods or maybe an agent. Uh, we'll start to be able to start piecing this together. It's all very fishy to me. 
I, I don't know any more than I did, you know, seven hours ago. I, I went on the Golf Channel about an hour or so ago, and I wanted to hear what some of the other people were saying because I was so shocked. I really thought, man, I'm in the dark on this one. What do you guys know? Turns out nobody knows anything. And as you clearly you're not alone, and you guys know more than anybody. I saw, you know, I saw an attorney on a golf channel earlier in the day, and she had worked with the National Football League and antitrust laws, and basically point blank said, "This is a monopoly, number one." And you know that's something. But let me ask you, as somebody, somebody that loves the PGA Tour, are you saddened by this? Like I am, like personally, like there was no need to do this. Like, honestly, the Golf Channel, our show, has higher ratings than they were getting for, I get it, Brooks Kepka played great. They have great golfers. To me, the the Live Tour was an exhibition, right? It was like, you want to go take the money and have nobody care about your event, you go do it. I get it. They had fun in Australia and stuff. I, you know, I looked at it more as not a betrayal for moral purposes, just more like, don't you want to compete against the best? Don't you, you know what I mean? Have that drive to want to be amongst the best golfers ever and not just play for money. I don't I just don't understand how quickly the PGA could just roll over, quite frankly, in my opinion, on this. Not from the moral perspective, just from why. You didn't need to do this. You were the stronger entity. I don't care if Brooks Kepka won the tournament last week. You were still the stronger entity, in my opinion, Mark. I, I that that's the most shocking thing to me. The PGA tour seemed to be winning the battle. In the courts, uh, they were gaining the momentum. They had increased the purses. A lot of really good things was happening. Uh, so I don't understand why they made this change. The interesting thing about this is uh, I am involved in what's going to be the watershed tournament, and that is the first one of this new agreement. So the first tournament is going to be the Century Tournament of Champions out here on Maui, which is just about six months away. I mean, we are six months away. Now, is there any scenario after today that it will be the same tournament it was yesterday? I don't think so. And you don't, don't even know, right? So you're not alone. How many tournament directors are wondering, well, what happens to my tournament? I'm already hearing about, well, there could be 22 premier events, et cetera, Mark. So you don't know either. Right. But would it be acceptable to to tell Brooks Kepka he can't play in this tournament now or that Cam Smith can't play in this tournament now, even though they were otherwise eligible? I would think that the suspensions – you know, they kept them out of the tournament this past year are going to have to be gone by then. But the the issue is there's a lot of tournament directors that have a year before their next tournament. This one, in the middle of the Pacific Ocean on a tiny island, which is logistically difficult enough as it is, has no idea. We don't know who's going to be in the field, how many players will be in the field, what the name of the tournament will be. Uh, there are just so many unanswered questions. I don't know how they're going to figure all this out in a very short period of time. And to be honest, it seems from the reporting that was coming from the the players' meeting with uh, Jay Monahan was they weren't getting a lot of answers, and he wasn't really giving much more than what the public uh, kind of got, the official statement. I don't think so. I mean, if you think about that meeting, it only lasted an hour. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of unhappy people, uh, and I don't know when, when we will actually hear from Jay as to what happened, but I think pretty soon you're going to start – hearing from some of the players uh, about the unhappiness. He's going to have a tough meeting, Jay is, uh, in a couple hours when he meets with the PAT group, which is a 16-member player advisory council. Um, that is going to be a more difficult meeting, I think, for Jay Monahan than the one he just had, because the one he just had was primarily with players in the Canadian Open who won't be affected at all by this. This is more the sort of the run-of-the-mill players. The player advisory council that were elected to that position to be able to keep all the members, you know, uh, updated on what's going on, including Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy. They're the ones who are looking bad now because they don't seem to have known anything about it. And and I would think they're going to be an unhappy group when Jay sees them in a couple hours. And Tiger Woods reportedly turned down like a billion dollars last year as well. Um, and, you know, that, that that's that's besides the point. Man, time has just flown by here, Mark, and we really appreciate your time. So two questions. I'll ask you from a personal standpoint – is this good for the sport of golf as a whole? Are they, you know, we all know it's about money, but does it grow the game? Is this good, or does it does it sadden you? Like, what, what's your personal feeling? Where do you see this a couple of years down the road? Monahan says, "Let's judge this ten years from now," which I sort of took. Well, we're going to make so much money, so don't worry about people that are unhappy. And not to mention, 
And I never like making light of it. Not to mention, like, it's more than golf to some people. Like, we saw the statement from the 9-11's uh, families um, united, and it's very heartbreaking to read this and understand their pain as well. I mean, there's just so much to unpack here. It's very sad for me. Um, ten, ten years from now, I, I don't know. I really don't care. Ten years from now. What I do know is that a year ago, all we discussed was how legacy was the only thing that mattered on the PGA Tour. Jay Monahan said it. A number of players said it. Rory said it. Tiger said it. Today, a year later, we're now effectively saying the only thing that matters on the PGA Tour is money. And to me, that adds up to a pretty sad day for this sport. Wow, well said. As someone that's been around the game and loves it as much as you do. So with that being stated, I'll ask you not to overshadow because it's it's terrible that, like you said, the Canadian Open always seems to get screwed over one way or another with its timing. Last year with, you know, uh, with, with all the talk, as far as the tournament uh, this year, what are your thoughts on the tournament? Who did you like to win? <laughs> wow. I, I don't know. I'd love to see a Canadian. I, I yeah. have a sense. Can Corey in, Connors do it? Maybe a Nick Taylor? Yeah, who knows? Yeah, with Nick Taylor, I'm a huge Nick Taylor fan. Um, Adam Hadwin, um, who knows? But then I, I take a look at a tweet from a guy like Mackenzie Hughes, who's kind of just flabbergasted by all this. I wonder uh, how some of these guys are going to be able to, to perform you know, in what's going to be some pretty extreme circumstances the next couple of days. I don't know. I'll tell you this. I think this is probably the most wide-open national championship, uh, major national championship that we've seen in a long time. I would think any one of 100 guys could win that tournament now. Can you believe it? You're preparing to play in a tournament, and then you find out your life's been turned upside down, such as you. I'm sure as soon as you get off the phone, you have business to, to talk about yourself. Um, very, very difficult position to put the players in, right? For a Tuesday afternoon, less than 48 hours away from tee-off to be dealing with a meeting like that as opposed to eating lunch and warming up? Come on. Yeah, and, and let's even take it a step further in the case of the RBC Canadian Open, by the way. Um, you know, I, I feel so bad for RBC. They didn't deserve this. Um, you know, how, how long is this going to go on? I was supposed to do a podcast today for the U.S. Open for next week about L.A. Country Club. And, you know, what I thought about specific holes, I can't even more talk about that now, um, you know, than anything. So I don't know. Is this all going to get solved today? No. The question is, how long is it going to go on? And it's clearly going to have worked very, very much in the detriment in the Canadian Open. Mark, it was an honor to have you on the show. Great insight and breakdowns. Great job on the Golf Channel all day long. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. You got it. Thank you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's, too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure... Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Mark for joining us on the program. The Late Night Anger Match for Class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morenzi. We're throwing it down. Sirius XM Channel 159 of the Sports Grid Radio Network. So there is a tournament to be played. Although, you know, you have to wonder how players are going to be affected 
and who's going to be more distracted than others. Rory McIlroy is the favorite. He's a two-time winner at the Canadian Open. He goes to Toronto Raptor games. His girlfriend's from the Rochester area. He's become a Buffalo Bill fan. Uh, for the record, if you're unaware, Toronto and Buffalo are very close. Um, they're like 90 minutes apart uh, from each other. So Rory feels very at home at the RBC Canadian Open. But Rory has also been the face and the most public critic of the Live Tour and of players that joined the Live Tour. So I can't imagine that he is in a golf sort of frame of mind right now after he just got a golf club in the back. A very sharp golf club in the back. He's the favorite. There's no way in hell. Listen, I wouldn't really want to take him anyways at 5-1. to one. Hatton's 11-1. to one. I don't really get that number so much. You got Burns at 14-1. to one. Matthew Fitzpatrick is 14-1. to one. As I stated, I don't know who's the most mad about this. I don't know whose game is going to be thrown off. I don't know who's not thinking about golf. My own thought is I would imagine that this affects this would affect the big time players more. Right? I saw a couple of quotes from players today and unnamed players from the Canadian Open who some of them said, you know, I'm not in on anything to begin with anyways at any time. I just I'm just here to try to do the best that I can. I'm not big enough to be part of these talks even. So I think those are the type of guys that might be, be able to, you know what? They might be able to hit some hit some pins here, hit some flags, and put a good score on the board while the other guys are thinking, dear God, I just left $100 million on the table six months ago. The late night anger management class, this is sports rage. Vent your rage. Bring it. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. That means your priorities are Vanguard's too. So whether you're planning for retirement or trying to save up for your next big adventure, Vanguard will work alongside you to set personalized investment goals. That's the value of ownership. All investing is subject to risk. Vanguard is owned by its funds, which are owned by Vanguard's fund shareholder clients. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.